0: Do you ever struggle with your fuzzy brain? I do. Welcome to the Uncluttered Office Podcast. Here I share what I've learned from my struggles with chemo brain and executive functioning disorder. I'm your host, Katherine Avery. I'm a former Wall Streeter, now entrepreneur, with 20 years of experience in business and office design. I'm a badass cancer survivor and thriver, mom of a teen, a wife, and a lifelong learner i have discovered that whether we lose our keys, misplace our files, or constantly forget important appointments, we can learn to be more productive. We can design a work and home life that is simpler, easier, and much more manageable. Listen in and learn how to create a plan to streamline your space and your systems so you can be more focused and organized. Hey everyone, Katherine Avery, your host of the Uncluttered Office podcast and productivitybydesign.com. Today, I have a special guest with me, Laura Prisk. She is a coach and she has a burning desire to awaken you so you may live a more creative, fulfilling, and satisfying life. For more than a decade, she has been recognized for her expertise in forming deep connections, creating a comfortable environment for growth, inspiring new ways of thinking, and synthesizing broad-ranging information in the areas of leadership development, personal growth, organizational culture, communication, team building, creative thinking, and employee engagement. So excited to have you on the show, Laura. How are you?
1: I am marvelous. I'm so excited to be here. Thank you for inviting me in.
0: That is so great. So I met Laura through one of the groups I'm in. And then she said something brilliant, which neither of us (laughs) can remember now. But I thought, oh, you have to be on my podcast. So I went back, did some research. And we're going to talk about how I know that I'm a researcher and absolutely fell in love with an article she recently wrote called Retooling to Remain Relevant. So I am Over the pivot word, I love my friends who are using pivot. That's great; they're awesome. But I just, you know what? I'm not so sure that I want to have to think about this time as a pivot. I also don't want to think about pandemic, and I don't really want to think about productive, even though I am a productivity consultant. Yes, that's ironic. It's true. What I don't want to see is people shaming other people into doing all the things. You know, if you want to bake bread and learn how to do it, great, awesome. I got some yeast. I haven't baked bread yet. You might have your hands full. You're working, you're working from home suddenly, your spouse is working from home, and you're homeschooling so your kids are home. So the word I've really been focusing on with my clients is the word pause. And and what I like about retooling is it's kind of that reflective thing. It's saying we already have something wonderful. How can we slightly change it to make it better? So I'd love to talk about how your, you know, your take on retooling and maybe tell the typewriter story.
1: Ah, So the typewriter story, I use this when I'm teaching. So once upon a time, and and this will give you a little insight into how I'm hardwired. My strengths are really around big picture vision stuff. So I lose the details. So there's a story about a university way back when, before computers and word processors came into being, and they had a typing pool. It was literally a room full of women at desks with typewriters, and you could Google images of this to see what it looks like. So these women handled all the correspondence, all the paperwork, all the administrative, all the anything that needed to be on paper. These women did it. They were fast, they were efficient, they were accurate. They knew how to take care of their typewriters, and they took great pride in their work, as they should, right? They've developed that expertise. And then eventually, word processors were coming on the scene, and one of the university officials came to the typing pool and said, ladies, we have this new technology, and we're going to buy some word processors, and we're going to teach you how to use them, and and we're going to shift into this kind of new world. And they said, oh, no, don't waste your money we've got it covered. Have we ever let you down? And he said, well, no, you know, you you are fast, you're accurate, you're thorough, you take pride in your work, you're doing a good job, you've had us covered for decades. Okay. So he let them remain where they were Mm -hmm. in their comfort zone, right? Well, it worked for a while, but the rest of the world started expanding and technology started expanding and word processing and, and desktop computers started expanding and all this stuff, and they needed to be able to move information around in other ways as opposed to just pieces of paper, right? So eventually, the entire typing pool was let go because they resisted the change. They didn't want to step out of their comfort zone, and it's understandable because when we develop that expertise and we become the go-to person for whatever it is, That feels good, right? We've worked hard to get there and we've fine tuned it and we've polished it. We don't want to go back to being the novice and starting over again because that doesn't feel so good. And I think the older we get, the harder that is. So eventually, these women were all let go because they wouldn't move into the new technology and they essentially typed themselves out of a job. Yeah. So let's talk about how that applies now go well, say virtual when you've always worked say in person. Yeah, so it's you know it continues to happen. For example, if you look at the coal industry, the coal industry used to require hordes and hordes of men going down into the mines every day digging out the coal and hauling it back out. Well, technology has grown and changed, so there's equipment that does a lot of that hard and dangerous work. So while we still need men or women to work in the coal mines to run the machinery, it's not the same kind of crew, right? And it's not the same kind of work. And so in places where that was a big part of industry and income and, and the living for those people, they're all crying that, you know, the industry is dead and they're out of a job. Well, they're, the industry is not dead. It's just shifted. It's changed. And while some of the way that work got done before isn't being done the same way, new jobs have been created, new technology is out there. And it's the same when you look at any kind of automotive or manufacturing, some of those jobs go away as we bring in more automation, which, by the way, in a lot of cases gets people out of the line of dangerous work, but the but there are other jobs being created and so what i really think is that we need to always be kind of in in the thinking of fine tuning who we are and upgrading our skills taking classes going to workshops it might be earning a new degree it might be learning a new technology to always kind of be on on that wave as it's changing Otherwise, we will be left behind. And this is my personal philosophy. I I do think that if you work for a company, I think employers do have some responsibility for investing in and growing their people. Right. But I also think that we personally need to own our growth because if we don't, we will end up getting fit into whatever gaps the employer has and going to whatever training they choose to invest in for us. And it may not be something that interests us at all. Yeah.
0: Absolutely. So it's interesting, you talk about knowing who we are. And we talked a little bit before we got on about Strength finder. Da, da, yes. da, which the neat thing about this, now I bought this book a very long time ago, so I cannot <laughs> vouch that it is still 1995. But if, as I recall, the back of the book came with a CD or something, and you could take an online test. I yes. bet now it doesn't have a CD, of course. No, it's in this this is a really this book was bought a long time ago. But I, I thought it would be fun to talk a little bit about StrengthsFinder. And so, before we started, Laura, I shared with you my three top strengths. I know my top five, but mm-hmm. in the interest of time and people not getting that massively bored, <laughs> my top three strengths are connectedness, input, and learner. And so, I'd love for you to sort of. Show us in just that one example and, you know, feel free to use another one if you like, what that means and where that would help me be good at my job or hinder me from being good at my job. So sort of where are the opportunities and where are the challenges?
1: Okay. So here's the, the quickie 30-second background on StrengthsFinder. It is a research-based tool. So it's not just based on observation. It's research-based. There's actually a section in the book that talks about the brain science behind this. And literally what happens is we are born with latent talent or potential to be better at some things than others. And we build on those talents. We build them into strengths by adding knowledge, skill, and experience over time right? So it's kind of the concept of the 10,000 hours to master something. Right. There are 34 themes within the StrengthsFinder talents, and you have some of all of them, but to a greater or lesser extent. So like you talked about your top three, or we often talk about the top five, those are the most dominant ones that you have really invested time, energy, and effort in building. And when you do that, that stuff just flows through you. It's, you use it all day, every day in an integrated fashion without even thinking about it. And it's the stuff that you have developed that you are so amazing at. Other people who don't have those strengths, they look at you and they go, whoa, Catherine, how did you do that? And you're like, oh, that was nothing. Because it was nothing, right? You've programmed that in. So your top three strengths that you mentioned. So connectedness is, a, where is it? Connectedness is a relationship-building domain skill. Input and learner are both strategic thinking. So there are four domains that our strengths fall into. Two of them are task-focused first. Two of them are people-focused first. And so input, high input, is somebody who finds something that interests them, and they'll take a deep dive into this thing, like they will disappear down the rabbit hole researching everything they can about it. So like I remember when I was 10-ish and the movie Jaws came out, I was fascinated by great white sharks. And I studied everything I can find about great white sharks. And other people are like, really? Like you've read 10 books? and You know, it can be crazy. We joke about people with high input when it gets into overuse as being hoarders. Mm. They might hoard information, hoard knowledge, and some of them actually hoard stuff learners, people who are high learners, love to be in the process of learning. And it's about being in that learning space. Like I could be in workshops and seminars and and courses all the time. I love it. It just really feeds me. And yeah, and it's not even so much the outcome or the end result. It's the being in that space. Right? I just love learning. Yeah. Yeah. And then connectedness, people with high connectedness tend to see the various connections between things sort of in the ether, in the invisible level that other people don't necessarily connect. And so there are some combinations of dominant strengths that when they come together, like super concentrate. So you have to be kind of mindful about allowing them to take over your life. So with your connectedness and input and learner, you could go down the rabbit hole and disappear because input also sees some of those connections that other people don't. The key is to develop that self-awareness and come to understand what your talents allow you to contribute and what really feeds you so that you can put yourself in a place of doing that kind of work more often. You make a higher contribution to the people you're working with it's more satisfying for you. It's easier for you. And so, yeah, it's part of the work that I do is helping people to really see themselves and what they bring to the table. So I'm seeing this right now because I'm running a
0: program, and it's a three-month program, and I promised everybody in it because a lot of the people in it have brain-based challenges. Mm-hmm. I have some executive function issues, which for people who don't really understand executive function, it has. it's very similar to ADD. Mm-hmm. Sort of like the umbrella above, and then there's a whole bunch of stuff that falls under executive function. And I'm creating this program, promising that it'll be bite-sized and realizing I'm trying to cram six months of content into three months. And I, I had to step back. And it's very funny because I don't know about you. I do my best thinking when I am not at work, when I'm taking a walk or I'm in the shower or I'm doing the dishes or mm-hmm. cooking or whatever and drawing those connections. And so I had this idea, not while I'm in the office, that I would just have to roll out a part two. Another three month program with all that other stuff. And the minute yeah. I did that and took those ideas and parked them somewhere, then it became easy. Yeah. So just acknowledging, okay, there's a part two, and let's just set that to the side for now. And I think that's a really important strength when we're talking about people and and building off their strengths and productivity is recognizing that sometimes. The stuff that you're most gifted at is exactly what can drag you down the rabbit hole and sort of having a way to
1: containerize it so you don't go crazy. Yeah. <laughs> and you don't drive your clients crazy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So one of my mentors tells me you can't see the picture when you are in the frame and so we need that objective outside perspective to help us stand back and recognize what is the whole picture and where am I going so it's part of the work that I do is to help people understand when they're in a healthy place with their strengths but one of the other things I've learned is that you know when we talk about weakness weakness is three parts One part is actually stuff you're not good at. So if you think of the 34 themes, it's stuff at the tail end of your themes, right? It's like having two grains of sand, those things. You're really, truly not good at them. And everybody's really, truly not good at stuff. The other two pieces of weakness is when your strengths are either in overuse and you're like the bull in the china shop with them, or they're in underuse and you are either consciously or subconsciously choosing not to use them. So it's kind of like, you know, you guys aren't playing the game I want to play, so I'm going to take my football and go home. Mm. And so it's really getting that awareness so you can know, when am I in the healthy place? When am I in overuse? When am I in underuse? And when is it something I'm really not good at that I need to pull somebody else in to help me? Right. And so what I do is
0: I have a virtual admin who is, much better at making sure that when I do my 80% and I say, well, I've done the process. I'm done. I was fun. That I complete the 20 because really it's in completing the last 20 that things get out there and get done. And, and ever since I hired her and she came into my life and got me on that track, it no longer became, Oh, I'm just doing learning. So I'll give you an example I joined um, Institute for Challenging Disorganization. And your very first certification has to be a foundational so you understand folks who have chronic disorganization. And I really wanted just to get into the study of ADHD. That was really where I wanted to go. So I (laughs) I mapped out, you know, because I do this for a living, I mapped it out. Each week I'm going to take a course. And that way by X date I'll have my certification. So, you know, I had to do the foundational certificate, which was six right. courses. So that was like almost six weeks. Then I did the next one, which was five weeks. And now I'm into my next one because thank you, I already got my certificate in ADHD because I'm doing it very systematically.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And I think that's a huge shift in how I operate, having now studied productivity for however many crazy amounts of years it is now, is recognizing that doing it in a systematic fashion makes some sense. Now I can put that on my LinkedIn profile, that I've got a certificate in study of ADHD. And now I'm actually doing the next one, which is time management skills, which I'm doing for the purpose of the fact that I'm teaching this in my group. So I already know stuff about time management, but the Mm -hmm. certification is making me much better at it. I'm getting, in many ways, the languaging I didn't necessarily have around Mm -hmm. time management and productivity, and learning things like, we don't manage our time, Mm -hmm. we manage our energy and our priorities. Right. Light bulb, and of course, that's accurate. (laughs) The time yeah. is 24 hours a day, uh, and that's that. Yeah, we don't give much choice in that whole thing. And we know if we're playing some Candy Crush, which I am known to do, everyone who listens to me or knows me in any way will know I absolutely love Candy Crush. And I have to really put time boundaries around when I play games. And I'll, I'll never forget this. My husband said, he watched me doing this so often, and it finally, he realized one day, he said, that's how you come down. Mm-hmm. It's like I watch sports husband. I watch mm-hmm. sports You play that those crazy little games mm-hmm. on your computer because it's somewhat mindful, but it's somewhat not
1: mm-hmm.
0: You know, it's a little yeah. bit mindful, but it's also a little bit mindless. less. Yes um, And it's how I relax and he's right It is exactly how I relax But it is just like you said I could go way down that rabbit hole and spend the entire day playing those silly little games
1: mm-hmm. And
0: that would be a problem so yes. <laughs> one of the things, too, I've learned is to time block, is to say, I'm only going to do this for X, whatever X is. So we were talking about bringing in information. I'm thinking specifically about people, friends of mine, and clients who are very sucked into the news around what's happening with us with COVID. And it's, it's wildly dangerous. And I, right away, I said to myself, I get, at, I get 45 minutes a day half hour in the morning, 15 minutes before dinner. And those are the times I get to kind of catch up on the news, know what's happening and going on and get to giggle some at Andrew and Chris Cuomo, who are hilarious, the brothers, (laughs) you know, who are on CNN and then um, the governor and I live in Connecticut, very close to New York. So I have a New York connection, but that's it. So like 6 PM comes, no more news. Right. It 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 sucks me in and it wears me out and it's not good for me. So I think it's taken time, but I've learned how to sort of manage my strengths, which is great because you're right. Yes. They can become a beast. They
1: can. And it's you know, for me that's kind of the end desirable outcome is to live intentionally, recognizing we get to choose, right? We get to choose how we'll spend our time. We get to choose how we interpret things. We get to choose the meaning we attach to stuff, how significant it becomes. We have a lot more choices than we believe we do. Mm, that is so important to hear right now, I think, for people.
0: Because you can make choices throughout your day. It's it's like that old saying that you don't say, I have to, I get to. I get to. I get to. So today I get to interview Laura and have this wonderful time with you. I don't have to do it. I I want to do it. Now, some would contend I have to cook dinner later. Well, maybe I could get to order a pizza. I, yeah. I don't know, we'll see. But I I actually love cooking. I had really burned out on it prior to this whole thing. But there's been this funny little thing that's happened for me and I think it's that we can't just buzz to the grocery store anytime. It's just not an option right now. Health, I mean, yes, we can. We can choose right. to go to the grocery, but I'm choosing not to. I'm choosing to really stay home as much as possible. So I'm maybe in a grocery once every 10 days, and I actually haven't been in a grocery in two weeks. Because I found a local farm. So I can get some of my meat and my dairy and my basics. But the challenge has been. Sometimes I don't have the ingredient I need. And then I need to get super creative and (laughs) researchy with finding what could be a good substitute instead of whatever I was originally going to cook. So maybe it calls for kale and I've got spinach. You get the idea. But it's just kind of reawakened it for me. And the other part that's made it so much better is my husband and I are cooking together again.
1: Nice. Because he's home more nice,
0: you know, which is really fun and we enjoy it. And I think that's, that's great. So finding those bright spots of joy in a difficult Mm -hmm. time, that's a lot about choice. You can choose to, and look, I I don't want to discount what people are going through. Everyone's Mm -hmm. in sort of different levels of the storm. I posted something about this this morning. Someone else had posted and I shared it about, you know, you might be in a drizzle, but you might be in a full fledged hurricane and I don't want to in any way discount the pain people are going through. We've been very, very lucky. All of my friends who have gotten this have gotten better. We had one senior relative who got it but got a mild case, thank God, and is getting better. But I know lots of people who are having a real struggle with this. So when I say these things, I don't want in any way for people to think that I'm not wildly empathetic because, of course, I am. But we do get to make choices during the day. Mm -hmm. They are in some ways, some of those choices are limited. I'm not going to lie. No, we're not not going to the UK in June. It's out of my control. Now, what is in my control is how I react to that. Right. Right. So it was hanging on as a heavy weight because I have these airline tickets. And now Delta has said in conjunction with their partners that you have until May 31st 2022 to travel. Nice. That gives me a lot of choices, right? Whereas before I thought, oh gosh, we bought the tickets in January. We're going to have to travel by next January. And I don't know how the world's going to be between now and then. That was stressful, but Mm -hmm. that stress has been lifted. Thank you, Delta and Virgin Atlantic. Uh, (laughs) Now, yeah, the tickets are paid for, that's out there. That money has been spent. But the fact is now we can go travel a different time. Now mm-hmm. I get to choose right. when we travel and I get to choose how I react to that. So how I react to it is, is this is pretty cool. We can go at a different time. It would be easy to say, oh, what was me? I still don't get my trip and I am out some deposits. You know, in the scheme of things, not a disaster. You know, no one's sick. We're eating, we have a roof over our heads. Life is pretty good. So what strategies can you help people with as they're making uncomfortable changes as I bring this back to business?
1: (laughs) (laughs) There we go. (laughs) Okay, so recognize that when we go through change, whether it's a good thing or a scary thing or something imposed on us or something we choose, regardless of that, We go through the stages of grief Mm. because even when we're moving to something good and better, we're still letting things go. We're still losing stuff. So everybody right now is in some stage of the stages of grief. And the important thing is, is to offer yourself a little bit of grace, a little bit of compassion, some gentleness, right? Recognize that one size does not fit all in how we respond to and go through this. So offer yourself that grace, look up the stages of grief and figure out where you're at, Right. you know, and then think into what is it that I'm grieving that I'm losing? What kind of support do I need? What gentleness can I offer myself? Right. And it And it might be being in connection with people you love or who will support you. You know, there are a lot of online groups forming that I think are better now because they're getting deeper and they're getting into significant, meaningful stuff instead of the superficial, shallow, you know, I bought new tennis shoes today. New shoes? What are those? Yeah, I'm like looking at my <laughs> My, my going, daughter grew out of that. her
0: shoes, Laura. She grew out of her shoes, and she's like, "Mom, I need new shoes." I'm like, "You're in the house. Go barefoot. <laughs> Put some socks on." I mean, not really. I'm being a little <laughs> facetious, but part of me thinks, yeah. like, "Well, how much will your shoe size change in yeah. the next three to six months? It might change again. So right. rather than rush out and buy new shoes, let's just kind of take a pause." back to my yeah. password. There you go. And wait and see. I have to say grace is the other big word that I've been talking about lately because I think it's really important in the midst of grace in the midst of grief to remember grace. Yes. And the other thing I want to mention on grief is well then i say there's six stages as opposed to five which I found fascinating. I was listening to David Kessler on this topic in my research mode.
1: <laughs> of there course. There you go.
0: And the key with the grief is to recognize that we aren't in a it's not a linear fashion. Mm-hmm. You might go to anger first and I might go to sadness, or you know, I might go to denial. I woke up this morning in denial. I think every morning I wake <laughs> up in denial. I wake up and I think, nah, this isn't happening. This isn't really the case. I overnight it was a bad dream. And then I get into the day and and, and go through it. And, you know, eventually we get to acceptance, and then I've forgotten what the sixth one is. It has to do with
1: there's, giving back. There's denial, anger, bargaining, depression, acceptance, and I don't remember the sixth. But, yeah, it's not linear, you know, it's kind of a wave. Some people get stuck at different places. Sometimes we move forward and we go backwards. Sometimes we skip stuff. So one size does not fit all. So the key is what's working for you where are you? And where are you today? You know, where I was like on Monday, I've been really pretty optimistic because I think something new and amazing is going to emerge as this all unfolds. But Monday, I just was like, I am blue. I am blah. I don't want to do anything. I literally just sat in a chair in the afternoon. Good for you. Nothing you know? So, so be kind to yourself and don't feel pressured to move through this the way everybody else is, you know, do it the way that's going to feed and nurture you. Then from the retooling standpoint, I'm not going to tell you rush out and enroll in all these courses and read all these books and get all busy and, you know, but if something has been calling to you, If there's something that interests you, if there's something you want to learn or something that you used to be just totally in love doing before life kind of took you over and you had to go to work and, you know, reinvestigate that, revisit it, explore it. Allow yourself the time and space to be creative in however that plays out for you, you know. And and if you are thinking about, You know, maybe it's time for a career change. Maybe it's time for some kind of new job. We have a little bit more time and space to explore those things now. So I'm not saying, you know, put in eight hours a day studying and getting certified or whatever. Do it at the pace that works for you. But remember, the more you kind of fine-tune your skills over your lifetime, the more relevant you will remain and the more choices you'll have when things are disrupted and you need to make a shift.
0: I think that's wonderful.
1: So with that, I'm going to
0: ask how people find you because clearly there are going to be people listening who could use your
1: help. Well, thank you. And I would love to help if you're a good fit to work with. So you can find me at lauraprisk.com, L-A-U-R-A-P-R-I-S-C.com. That website is mostly... Tooled around individuals and kind of group or organizational stuff. I do some really focused work with senior executives and corporations around leadership development and employee engagement and team building. You can find that stuff at consciousleadershippartners.com. And I have a podcast called Making Space for Conversations that Matter because one of the things that just feeds me. Is having these kinds of great conversations with interesting people.
0: Oh, I love that. What a great title for it.
1: Thank you so
0: much again. I so appreciate you and your coming on the podcast today. And I'm looking forward to
1: seeing you soon. Absolutely, me too. Thanks so much, Catherine. Bye-bye.
0: You've been listening to the Uncluttered Office Podcast, available on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play